2: Except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr, my co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 333 of Low Limit Football on the 7th of August 2021. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, the USA hands Mexico its second loss of the summer with a 1-0 win in the Gold Cup Final. Miles Robinson with the extra-time winner in that one. The 2021-2022 season is underway with Ligon leading the chase into the new season. MLS is almost at the halfway point with the New England Revolution leading the way with 37 points and massive, massive news in the transfer world as one of the biggest names in world football is set to leave his old club. We're going to discuss that and much more with our very special guest, Mr. Martino Puccio from the Athletic and State of Play podcast. But first, after a couple of weeks, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man? How are you?
1: i'm good joe i i haven't asked you yet and, and i should have mentioned it before at the start of the show how is hawaii
2: awesome uh it is beautiful um it's expensive
1: uh i'm not gonna
2: lie to you there man it was very very expensive uh in terms of food and, and rental cars and stuff like that but it is very very pretty um you know it, it's it's amazing that such a big island is such a small island in the middle of, middle of such a big ocean uh but the the volcanoes um you know the waves diamond head on Waikiki beach. It just, just magnificent to see. And I only got a taste of it and I was only there 11 days. Um, but it's certainly something that I, I need to go back to because there is so much more to Hawaii than the little snippet that I saw over that time. But it was a lot of fun, a lot of
1: fun. Um,
2: what did you do while I was gone?
1: I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I mean, there's been the Olympics. There's yeah. been, uh some sort of argentine wanting to leave i mean that's that's been chill i mean i'm about to graduate soon i have i'm about to get my master's degree it's somebody's gone by fast actually but it's uh it's been a good one it always does it always
2: does dude let's um let's get our guest in here because he's gonna be gracious enough to join us for the entire show because we've got a lot to talk about and it's none other than martino puccio from the athletic and the state of play pod martino welcome into the show it's always great to catch up with you man how have you been
0: I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I forgot that you went off to Hawaii, so you enjoyed that uh, good time. Um, I'm doing well, you know, all the leagues coming through um, and the transfer talk really ramped up after. I don't know. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's always great to talk to you and Roberto.
2: It's, you know, it's 2020 all over again, isn't it? Um, and let's jump into Let's let's just start discussing it, because the news broke this week that Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona. Uh, you know, whether we talk about financial fair play, Barca's broke, whatever you want to talk about. The fact that arguably the greatest player of all time is leaving his longtime club, a club that he joined as a teenager, and, and moving on elsewhere, and we're going to talk about the elsewhere part in a minute, is, is certainly it's something that has transcended all of sports. I, I before we started recording, I wanted to think of what this would what this equates to. What is the equivalent move that we've ever seen in world sport that would qualify here? And I and I you got to think to the greats, right? Um, First, we start with LeBron James, but LeBron James has not. He's moved multiple times. He's moved to Miami, Cleveland, back and forth. Now he's in LA. That one didn't really register for me. Uh, the only one that I could think of that was something of this magnitude for me was Wayne Gretzky going from the Edmonton Oilers to the New York Rangers. I can't think of a bigger move than that. You could do Joe Montana leaving the 49ers, going to the Kansas City okay. Chiefs, you know, something like that, but. For me, uh, Alex
0: Rodriguez, maybe Brady yeah. just happened.
2: Brady. Yeah. Brady just, yeah, I, I'd say Brady's a good one. I don't know about Alex Rodriguez so much. Nah,
0: he, he moved too many times, you know, Seattle, Texas, Yankees. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know, that's like three teams. It's just different because you want to know why this, why the sport's so great. It's because no one, Comes up from a team when they're a kid. Sometimes in baseball, if you're if you're a Caribbean player, mm-hmm. when you come up when you're 16 is the earliest you could sign with a baseball club. Um, but to be at that young age, to be in that situation where they help him out medically, and then you become the greatest in the world by far, and and it's an emotional goodbye, and it's not a it's not a goodbye that is his choice mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I mean, it is. But it isn't, right, like he did enough, like fifty percent wage cut, regardless if he was getting paid six hundred million for a yeah. contract. It's still you know it's sad, and I and I think I don't know if I texted this or I texted it to pet, and I was like, I have zero emotional connection to that club. I am not Hispanic or Spanish whatsoever in in my ancestry, obviously for my name, but I felt genuinely upset about the move because it's just it just doesn't feel like right at all um even if he scores the goals and ray hudson said it uh, there's been like a that one uh video you quote tweeted roberto on twitter where it's the whole 10 minute video chronological chronological order of messi's time at barcelona and ray hudson's commentaries over it and he's just mentioning like he's gonna be great wherever he's gonna go he's gonna have absolutely magical play but it's just not the same in that if he's not in that jersey And if he's not in that jersey, it's it's just right. It's just you feel like you're robbed of something. And uh, it's sad because it was, for me, you know, the greatest relationship in that sports history and in sports history between player and club um, singular player. It's it just sucks. But it's the reality of the situation and only Barca and Barca's board have themselves to blame at this point. This was all their own doing.
2: Roberto, what about you? Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of comparisons as well. I mean, the only big one I can think of when you think of two teams, and I don't know if Messi's going to play for any other teams outside of PSG, but you know, Jordan, I mean, he, he obviously went to Chicago, then went to the Wizards. Um, you know, that's that's one comparison I want to make as well. I, but yeah, I, I agree, Martin. You know, I think it's, it's crazy when you think about it, because you think, uh, even Pele, when he went to the Cosmos, okay, it was a different time well, when he played at Santos, but still, he was the one that that fit that bill. You knew he was big because of what he did over there in Brazil. With Messi's case, I mean, you know, this is someone that we've seen everything. You know, 17 years of an entire career at Barcelona, we've seen it all. You can go on YouTube right now, and it could take a little over an hour or something to watch every single goal that he scored for Barcelona. Um, and that just shows how how fortunate we are um, to have seen him in dominate. An entire sport for more than a decade alongside other people of course but that's up for the debate but just still I think with what we've seen of him and he he did everything that he could at the club so you know it's 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 Barca's fault in this case you can't fault Messi because I'm sure he wanted that opportunity he wanted to stay he was he he wanted that kind of you know, farewell when he does hang up his boots at the club that he grew up when he said, Joe, that he was there since he was a teenager. But ultimately it's, it's for Barça's wrongdoing for not being able to, to keep their main man. And that's when you got to start looking at other options. And, and, you know, right now where he's still, you know, at at his age and, you know, you think about great players in in the world, how many are, are still this consistent at an advanced age in their career. And, you look at Messi and he's still doing it. And so you want to get the best out of him, out of anywhere that he goes. And, and you know, Martino, I agree. I think it, it doesn't matter if he was going to go to PSG or, or any club in the world. He, he mm-hmm. will shine because we know what he's done. And it's, uh, it's a testament of the greatness that he demonstrates um, and has demonstrated for so long.
0: Can I just say one thing and ask one thing to both of you? Mm-hmm. So, like, also on top of this with how great he was, I think just how much higher he elevated Barcelona as a club. Because right when he debuted, they were always a big club, right? Absolutely no doubt. Like, from from whenever Cruyff arrived there and kind of elevating their club and how good they were in the 90s and then with the Ronaldinho era. But what he brought to them, and Joe, you're probably the best person to ask this, you probably couldn't name all the top three clubs in Serie A, obviously Real Madrid, United, Liverpool, Bayern. These clubs were significantly bigger than Barcelona prior to his arrival and debut. When we're looking at it today, like how much bigger is Bar- Barcelona? Barça is a bigger club than all three of those Italian sides now. They're more popular than Bayern are, even though they don't have the same amount of Champions League, right? And and you say they're bigger than Liverpool. There's the argument they're bigger than Manchester United. Like, what one player can do that? And it's obviously a multitude of things with other players that have come there over the course of time. But the one name that you put to that club and brought them to that, and the one constant throughout that whole time, 16, 17 years, as Roberto mentioned, like, oh my God, like, no one else has done that. Like, Maradona's done it to a certain degree, but, with well, Napoli, but... Not to this ex- extent. There, there was always that stat of how he bridged the gap between the trophies with Real Madrid and Barcelona. How much closer he got Barca to Real Madrid in the trophy count. And but, like, I mean, Real Madrid still had like double AC- UCLs. It's like eight, eight more still. But I mean, the conversation, even just to have a conversation, mm-hmm. the past few years, like that's that's like part of it. Just the simple winning. That he brought to them is just—I—I I, I don't know what your perspective has been of Barça from his debut to now, but I mean the way he put them on the map globally is just—I I feel like it's unmatched yeah. to any other player.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's—it has been a symbiotic relationship. They've both benefited from it, and I almost want to ask, answer your your statement with a question by saying. Did Barca make Messi, or did Messi make Barca? You know the the current Barca we see today, um, you know the trophies, uh, you know, the the rivalries, the, the the El Clasico's, all that stuff. Did did Messi make Barca, or did Barca make Messi? Because I think I think they're kind of one and the same. I mean, like yeah. you said, when it's when, like a great marriage. <laughs> yeah, when 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 Cruyff was there, took them to a, a certain level. Now you know, now Messi comes in, and and again, Barca was Barca was great, but they weren't this level of great. And the only constant, you know, and we can again, they've also had great players. We, we're we're neglecting Xavi, we're neglecting Iniesta, we're neglecting Carlos Puyol. We're, we're neg- I say neglecting them, but ultimately the constant from mm. one end to the other has been Lionel Messi. So I, I almost feel like they've made each other to where we are today. You know, Barca's helped Messi become Messi, especially surrounding him with players like like Xavi and Iniesta, and then Messi in turn, with his greatness and his magic, have made Barca that elevation to, you know, we talk about Bayern Munich, we talk about Juventus, we talk about Manchester United, but there's something about Real Madrid-Barcelona that almost glides just a little above and just hits a little harder than uh, than the other teams. Not to say that the other teams aren't great, but uh, but there's some, there's a level there. And, uh, and And I think that level exists because Lionel Messi existed in that level for so long. Roberto, what are your thoughts, man?
1: Yeah, but then, then there's, there's the big argument that I said. Is is one player bigger than... Is there any player bigger than the club? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say in the modern era that, yes, I mean, when you look at Messi and the way that he's elevated the team into the stratosphere as becoming at one point maybe the most, best team in the world, most well-known team in the world in sports, you could even say, Martino. I mean, that, that's a big argument in itself. But even then, it's just... It was because he was the main guy. I mean, he was the one that helped elevate them he had a great supporting cast as well we can't say he didn't do everything on his own but it's when
0: it when it even changed too like he was carrying them like the past recent years i think the three of us had how many conversations about it Mm. like where they don't make top four without him this year and they don't finish second the year prior where real madrid just won it i mean I don't even think they're going to make top four, but that might be a conversation you guys want to have a little bit after this. No, but just... you know, it's
2: no, I mean, Martin, you know. you're spot on because for me, it's after Iniesta left. Uh, you know, once once Iniesta left Barcelona, it, there's been a a, a, a swath of, of about three years, I think. Right, Roberto, correct me if I'm wrong. Three, maybe four. Um.
1: Uh. Yeah. Like, but, it's yeah. it's that three seasons. Three seasons.
2: And let's be honest. The Barca, and we know that financially Barca screwed this up. Um, but but because of of Messi, it hasn't been as obvious for me. If Iniesta and Messi leave at the same time, we don't even look at Barca the same way right now. We're, we don't even talk about Barca the same way. They they you know, and they're talented. You know, of course they've got some great young talent, but we're not even talking about them at this level, uh, like we do on some of the other clubs and. I think Messi has kind of been the band-aid over the poor management of Barcelona over the past four years, because on the pitch he delivers time in and time out. That's, that's just my two cents on it. Um, But I I think Messi has at this point in this stage of the game, Messi has done way more for Barca than Barca has done for Messi. That's just my opinion. Roberto, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, after everything that you've achieved there, it's (laughs) what more can you do? He's done everything. He literally did everything, and and rightly so. I think. Now, I think now talking into the future about what's happening, I, I had this conversation with a friend the other day. It's like you look at some of the posts and Martino. You've seen it as well, but like look at the way that he reacted, especially after winning the Copa America. How you saw him, you know, with his wife, his kids over there in Florida, and his vacation. It, it seems as if though, I'm not saying he knew that something was going to happen, but. I think he was I think he was just in a way happy that some that he's gonna be in a good spot no matter what happens. And now we go into what this means for him and going to Paris. I mean that and I'm will go to Martino on this one because that was the thing really. It, this has always been the big question that has always been in in our mind for so long. How can he fare on a different team if he were to go challenge himself in? You know, I think he, I think you still make the argument that he's still going to he could be he could be that best player <clears throat> on the PSG side that ultimately really are going for everything that is at their disposal. But you, you don't need to make the argument either. It's like, you, you know, he's going to do well wherever he goes. And and ultimately, it's it, it, it probably will fare well for him when he does make this move.
0: I, I mean, I, I think so, right? I mean, you just slot them behind Neymar and Mbappe, and you call it a day. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's. I mean, that's like, actually, it's the most talented thing since MSN as an attacking trio in world football. Mm-hmm. I like. Have we seen another one since those guys were at the peak of their power at Barca? No, I don't think so. So that's basically what it is. And no disrespect to Ligon, there's a lot of talent there. We cover it a lot on the State of Play podcast. But, I mean, come on. This is just going to be easier for him at this point. Um, But that that
1: provides more pressure as well.
0: That provides more pressure. Um, I think it'll apply more pressure in the Champions League. I'll say that. I. In Lyon, I I just think you see Lille get gutted the way they did. I mean, the only comparison is just Inter at this point. Sorry, I had to get a jab in there. I'm sure Joe appreciated it. <laughs> but um, look, I mean, what's the real competition we're looking at? You see Lyon selling off players as well. And it's really kind of sad just in a football sense, guys, that we're, like, we're seeing PSG have, you know, we talked about Chelsea last year having one of the greatest windows of all time. Um, PSG is. Like just strictly off names, you know. Forget about figures and what you're bringing in for wages and all that. Strictly, it's just who you add at the end of the day. And no one's added more talent within a, a window than they have, and especially during a time of this pandemic. And maybe it only happened during the pandemic because some of these other clubs couldn't afford these players or, or afford to keep them because of the pandemic. And, um, to me, I I think there's that added pressure for sure roberto but you know what's funny to me now It it's a little similar with the way cristiano ronaldo is at juve it obviously the tall task is to win the champions league with juve juve has done it before and the thing is psg's never done it and we always talk about their shortcomings in the champions league now he does that there then does it really matter what the talent is on that team because i'm very interested and i'm sure you guys are too What does Leo Messi look like post-international trophy? Because that was the only thing weighing on the guy, right? Mm -hmm. He's playing with house money, in my opinion, in terms of pressure. That was was my argument. That was my argument, though, Martino. It's like, I'm sure. but, But then,
1: of course, you know, obviously you got the World Cup and you got that as well. So it's like, I feel like maybe he's relieved out of that pressure in a way. I mean, I think there's still obviously going to be pressure. I mean,
0: I mean let, let's see him on social him. media. We've never seen him so happy and thriving yeah, on that, there. That, right? That's the thing, too. <laughs> but, but
1: maybe that's to his advantage that we'll see a... I think so. I think... In my, Joe, I, I want to see what you think about this as well. I think we might see a really, really... And we've seen Messi great as well. But I think he is going to go out there and... Ball out. And I don't want to say prove a point to Barcelona what they missed out, but he's going to go very off. Like he's going to be really flourishing in that.
2: You see, for, for me, I, I and I agree, um, but at the same time, the, the, the monkey on his back was not the Champions League monkey. It wasn't the La Liga monkey. It wasn't the Copa del Rey monkey. It was the international trophy monkey. And he got that off his back. I'm I'm more interested in seeing one Argentina getting to the World Cup next year. Two, what does Lionel Messi look like when he doesn't have to have that pressure on his back? This this is that's the the interesting one for me. I think I think you let, let's be honest. You know, we talk in I mean, and, and also you know, let's let's divert the conversation to his next step, which is all you know. If you read the tea leaves. Uh, they're going to announce him on Tuesday at PSG at the Eiffel Tower. That's according to, you know, many, multiple reports. The PSG side before Messi was good enough to win the Champions League already. They didn't need mm. Lionel Messi to win this. I mean, they they are talented enough. And Martino, like you said, they got even more talented. They bring in Georgie Wijnaldum from Liverpool to put in that midfield. They bring in Gigi Donnarumma, who is on his day arguably the best goalkeeper in the world and having delivered a Euro to Italy just just a couple months ago, you know, is a massive young talent and they had all the pieces in place. One of the
0: greatest center backs of all time. They just added.
2: And then, yeah, Sergio Ramos, who knew, right? I mean, and a guy that is proven to win this, this competition, the champions league, that's the goal for PSG. It's not legal and it's not, it's not points records. It is the champions league. They want to lift like Ray Hudson would say the trophy with the big ears, Right. That's mm. that's all they want. That, that is the goal. And this team was good enough to do that without him. Now that they bring on Messi as well, this team is good enough to do it without him and with him. And, and so I think anything short of raising that trophy uh, up next year is a massive, massive failure for PSG, for the project, for all of it. But for Messi, I think you're going to see the effects of winning the international trophy next year at the World Cup in Qatar. Um, and again... Father time is undefeated still, so mm. how does a 34, 35-year-old Lionel Messi look like in the heat of Qatar, playing in November and in, in December mm. in the World Cup? What does that look like? But pressure-wise, I don't think that pressure's there on him anymore, and I think that is a bad thing for all the other teams in the world, because a free-flowing Messi is one of the most yeah. magical things you'll ever see
0: in your life. Um, and uh, yeah, no. Go yeah, ahead. and I was my my other point was just going to be you mentioned yeah no pressure on Leo. Mm-hmm. Think about the amount of pressure that's going to be alleviated from Neymar, from Mbappe, from all these other players that are within the squad. Like also like Sergio Ramos is one of the greatest center backs of all time. Yes, he had an injury prone 2021, mm-hmm. but my goodness, you just get him healthy. And just have him play in some of the bigger matches that you're going to be playing in. You don't have to play him in every single match day. The amount of pressure and leadership that is added there now. And I think it helps Neymar a lot. And I think... The thing is like this. Messi has a real chance here. And I know me and Roberto always talk about this debate all the time. And we don't think it's really a debate. But he has a real chance to put to bed all this Cristiano Ronaldo-Messi back and forth stuff. Because... In reality, if they win the Champions League, they have the same amount of Champions League. He, he's more than likely to bag another Ballon d'Or, right? Mm-hmm. And if he has a great showing at Qatar, I mean, what else is there left? What what else is there left? There's nothing left to say because he's going to put to bed the other stupid arguments about not doing it in another league as well. I just think he helps so many other players in this situation. Um, and also, I do think... On a side note, this is obviously fast-forward to next year. I do think him and Cristiano Ronaldo end up playing together at PSG. That's interesting.
2: And I'll tell you, as a Juventus fan, for me, part of me wants to have that happen just to have Juve stop playing so Cristiano-centric. Do you know what I mean? uh, Now the talks on the the open market is that the Dybala discussions are progressing really well. I think Max Allegri coming in. Is, is a massive move for Paulo Dybala. I, I think that that team is going to get better. Chiesa is go, is going to have another year under his belt. I think good things are happening at Juve. And, and I think that right now, Cristiano Ronaldo's in that upset the apple cart position where he could easily do that just given, you know, his past, just just his, his Cristiano-centric nature. Um is what I think. So that's that's going to be interesting. I think many would have told you that it wouldn't be at PSG. It would be like at Miami or at the LA Galaxy, <laughs> you know. But but I could definitely see that, Roberto. You think that uh, that's coming in the future? And what is that? What would that mean for Kylian Mbappe?
1: I mean, eventually he has to leave, doesn't he? does he? I feel like that might be? The, I mean, it, it could mean that as well.
2: Does he? I mean, you know, PSG brings in Messi. They run off two Champions Leagues back to back. Does he need to leave?
0: What what what's the my question to you, Roberto? Is like, what would the ownership of PSG really care because they finally get that Champions League? Uh, that's but, the thing as well. But
1: that's the thing as well. Do they want to? Put the, but, but but they want to create a legacy. They want to. Create the a the bag- legacy
0: is having the two of the three greatest players of all time play together. That's the no, exactly. easiest way to swallow it, right? You know what I mean. If there yeah. was ever a way for them to to manage. The blow of losing Mbappe and right it would be a short-term thing because of the ages of Messi and Ronaldo but mm-hmm. that's something that's going to be talked about for decades
1: and there's always going to be one rising star that comes off I mean there's always going to be a future Mbappe mm-hmm. even a future Holland, that kind of thing so you know it's not like they won't have those issues mm-hmm. um yeah it's 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 weird it's it's weird but but I think going back to the legacy part of Martino, this is obviously between all three of us. It's like, you know, there's always going to be people say they're going, they're not going to compare him to the likes of Diego or Pele, even Ronaldo to an extent. Um, everyone has their opinion. Everyone gets that. People want to look at titles and stuff like that. But I don't know. It just, it feels like for Messi's case, it would be great for him to do such a thing and, and, and go and, and do well in the World Cup. I mean, I don't know if Argentina are up there to win it right now at the moment, but they're definitely up there as one of the favorites as they always are. Um, but you know, it's it's the part of the it's part of the game. I mean, you go out and you, you want to win everything that's out there, and, and ultimately, history will will side on you when your careers are done and dusted, and and it shows how good you are as a player. We already we've known that we've known that we've known that Messi's been probably the greatest one of the greatest ever ever since he was, like, in his early 20s. That's how crazy of a player that he is. And now he goes into a PSG side where they are expected to win the Champions League, and if they don't, that's not going to end well for for many people. But I think they're in really good prime position right now. I mean, Martino, you're a betting man. You you like the stuff. I mean, don't the favorites usually not win the Champions League at times?
0: (laughs) Um, It just really all depends. Um. You know, it's it's tough to gauge it because of what happens prior to group stage. There's the transfer window. Um and in the past couple of years I'd say it's more wide open. Like last season, everyone would have told you, like, oh, we don't really know. Like we assume City's the favorite, but there's so many other sides and it's a one all game, right? Like it's anything can happen in that match. Like we saw City like they were they were like neutered. They, they couldn't do a thing. I I haven't seen City play worse, and that, that was the worst final of Pep side has played in since you know they lost that one. Was it the Copa del Rey final, uh, Roberto? When Cristiano yeah, Ronaldo scored an extra Madrid. time? Yeah, like that's his only other loss. So I mean, you know, you never know what could could happen in that. And we talked about it um, with a lot of finals, the three of us, and um, you never know what could happen. Like, look how much better Christian Romero and guys like Rodrigo De Paul got. For Argentina, What's going to happen within the next, you know, 16 months or so with some of these players? Because um, there's a lot of talent up front, too, with Argentina. Like, how, do, how does Letaro Martinez work without Lukaku? Does it affect his confidence? Where is he going to go heading into next season, too? Because it's more than likely, I think, that he's going to leave Inter. So I think there's just a lot of question marks. And how does France rebound as well? Um, does Italy continue this dominance? Uh, so... There's so many question marks it's so far away, and uh, it's an unprecedented World Cup because we've never seen it happen in at this time of year, and we're, we haven't seen it happen in you know that temperature um, to that extent. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of stuff. So you can't really take too much. I still think it at least too low in terms of uh, uh, the odds, but that's the way we like it, right, Joe? Exactly. We do.
2: <laughs> that For sure. Let's – Um, I want to – you know, I know we're running a little short on time here, and Martino, I wanted to jump into a little bit of Serie A talk with you before we let you go. Uh, and let's start right at Milan, okay? So we've we've seen Donnarumma move on. We've we we see them bring in Olivier Giroud. We are also reports this morning, or Joseph Ilicic from Atalanta are coming in possibly. And what does that mean for guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who uh, you know, although he had an injury-filled season? was a guy that when he was on the pitch was, was certainly one of Milan's best players, got them into the top four. They're in the champions league running this year. What, what is, what do these moves signal for Ibrahimovic and what are these moves signal for the future of Milan moving forward with their project?
0: Um, so the, and I have more time by the way, so we can keep this rolling. Just just to say, um, so I think we'll start with the Donnarumma thing. I think it sets a good precedent about saying, hey, we're not going to give in to the demands of these absurd salaries like Mirabelli and Fasone did, which got them into that financial mess that they still have to dig uh, a hole out of that got them banned from the Europa League mm-hmm. uh, with that agreement between Gazetas and UEFA. Um, look, it's you can't get into those demands. And. Because when there's a bunch of other young top talents like Frank Kessie, like Ismail Benessere, like Teo Hernandez, like Alessio Romagnoli, where you're saying, yes, we'll pay a goalkeeper 12 million euros at the age of 22 net per season, that is just basically going to increase the amount of money that these other players are going to want. And Milan simply cannot afford that. And at the end of the day, a goalkeeper at that price in this situation is simply a luxury. It's not an asset at the end of the day. They replaced him with one of the best goalkeepers in Europe last season, Mike Magnon, who won the league with Lille, was fantastic, looked really good in the preseason so far. I think he's going to take over Hugo Lloris' spot heading into Qatar uh, next season as well. I think you do a good job of adequately replacing him. And always the argument has been, oh, Milan lost on a Roma on a free. Yeah, but the situation was this. They couldn't afford a proper replacement last year. They certainly don't make top four without him. And if they don't make top four, they're not in a good enough position to progress to the next level, which is consistently make the Champions League, bring in more revenue, try and get a stadium, and get to the next step, which is buying more and more players at a higher level like being in the conversations for the Erling Holland when he's leaving a Salzburg, being uh, able to go and grab a guy like Paulo Dybala, if there's another Paulo Dybala coming in from a Palermo, where you're in that conversation where it's not just Juve in the league, right? Where we saw Inter competing there until their unfortunate situation happening with Suning. It's stuff like that. And the signing with Olivier Giroud is simply like this. You mentioned it. Eber can't play that many games. He's still coming off an injury. He's not going to be ready for the first game against Sampdoria. He has to get back into training properly. We saw him at the end of the season. He's going to be 40 come September, late September. We need someone to replace him and certain match days, right? Maybe they like Eber going in for, for the match uh, in the Champions League, or they want him against a side like Bologna on the weekend and put Olivier Giroud, who's played in the biggest of matches, uh in football right world cup finals champions league semifinals scoring that goal away against atletico he scored a hat trick in the champions league group stage he's been healthy and joe you've seen it how many times we see older players at that position really come in and not only play well they dominate they win capo cananieres fabio quagliarella's Luca Tonys of the world, even Cristiano Ronaldo at his age, too, right? We see this domination from these players. You don't need to be the most physically gifted guy. As long as you know how to score goals in Serie A, you can pull it off. Um, and for me, I think it's a perfect short-term move, and, it, and it's great to have that rotation in there. Because when Ibra went down, they didn't have a guy that knew how to play striker. It was Rafael Leal and Ante Rebic. Those guys are way better... Outside on the left than they are up top, isolated by themselves, and especially when you play a four-two-three-one. But now, when you have another player like Olivier Giroud in there, it gives you that flexibility. It allows Eber to get rest at his age, and Giroud himself, great injury track record. Not really someone who's been getting banged up like that um, at Chelsea, at Arsenal, and and, and even back to on when he when he started out there. So again. I think these were all good moves given the situation and circumstances that they had. And, um, yeah, Joseph Ilicic as well. I've been banging on the drum for this guy for months. Um, Di Martio was saying that back in April, they already had personal terms agreed to. So it's really just that Atalanta situation, Milan going with, you know, Joe, you see the memes all the time, and I'm sure Roberto, you see it too often because I tweet the Milan stuff. Like, it's a loan with obligation to buy or with the option to buy that they want with Atalanta, but Atalanta want to straight up um, purchase. So there's two years left on the deal. There's not a lot of leverage on the Atalanta side, right? Ilicic wants to Leave. Gasparini said it publicly that he wants to leave and they need to figure out a a situation in which it works best for everybody. But I mean, again, you're publicly stating that the situation isn't working out. That's in favor of Milan in these negotiations. So for me, I I see a figure of anywhere between four to six million euros of this getting done. and it's someone they desperately need because I cannot watch Samuel Castileo any longer in a Milan shirt. Uh, spaghetti lace is what I like to call him. Um, not the most professional thing, but uh, I'm tired of him because he's been an unprofessional guy. Um, uh, by multiple reports and people that I talk to that are close with the club, uh, he likes uh, going to party at certain places Immediately after matches, and they're not in Italy itself, so that tells you all you need to know about his dedication as a player. So, good riddance uh, if he hopefully leaves. But yeah, that's it. Those are basically those uh, main moves at the forefront there. So, looking at um, them and obviously the, the season ahead, Martino, I
1: think we're in for a really interesting season. I mean, I it's tough to really. I think you're always going to have those teams that you know, obviously your Juve's, your Inter's um milans and you know all those clubs that are fighting for that top four but tonight or at least today i, I can't really give you a, a straightforward top four so i was like wondering what mm. you think might happen this season or at least like the current assessment. And, and, and you know deals are still happening there's still transfer window going on sure. there's still players that can come in and leave right now but i don't know man It's it's gonna be tight but for some reason i think it's because of who they got now as manager and and just the players that they have at their disposal. I think Juve might be in for the kill in this one.
0: I think it's over. I think Juve won the league title, especially what you see happening with Inter. The second Conte left, I said Juve. The second Hikimi left, I said Juve by five points. And Lukaku's leaving today, so I might say Juve by 10 points. It's getting to be that insane. And listen, Juve still made top four regardless of all the bad things that happened to them last season. You'd think this Locatelli thing is going to get over the line. That improves their midfield, which was clearly their biggest weakness, and it continues to be so. I think their center-back death is a little bit less. They made a massive upgrade at head at manager. Um, Paulo Dybala barely played last season. Chiesa is going to be much more settled now and stepped up and over in every single big game possible for Juve last season. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's going to be at his best when he's just going to be receiving you know, creative balls in from Paulo de Bala, from Chiesa. I think it's too busy to lose, uh, basically basically based off of merit and talent alone um, and, and the manager that they have. But as far as top four goes, I think the conversation becomes even more wide open when Inter isn't as strong, when Atalanta are doing a great job of retooling as always. I think Napoli upgraded at manager. They're going to be a healthier side this year, you would think, even though... Joe would agree with this. They haven't really upgraded as much as they'd like to uh, with their squad. But you haven't made Champions League in two seasons with COVID. That's what's going to happen, right? So I think that hurts them a little bit. Lazio is going to have the learning curve with Sadi. I don't think Roma's that good at all. And they didn't even get a win versus the top six side last year. So even if Mourinho is there, I don't trust it. I think Milan... We have to see what happens in the past couple of weeks. But they position position themselves so well. They're one of the younger sides in Europe and the youngest side in the league. All those guys get better. And we saw how much better they were last year. I think it's a matter of health um, to see where they're going to be at the end of the day in that conversation. And, yeah, I think it's going to be a combination of five teams for the top four. It's Juve, Atalanta, Napoli, Inter and Milan. I think it's going to be those five teams. We're really going to see what's going to happen with Inter here because Lukaku leaves. And I have people that told me this months ago that are close with Zanetti in the club is that it's a very dire situation. And now we're seeing stuff where Suning was saying one thing and Pepe Morata was saying one thing as well, but they're doing the opposite that Hakimi was supposed to be the only sacrifice. Now Lukaku's on his way out. Who else is going to leave? Is another team or big club from England, for example, going to see? hey, answer's in this dire situation. They already sold their best player by far. Not much is going to be reallocated back into the market. Is someone going to poach one of their top three center backs? Is someone going to want one of their midfielders? That's potentially going to happen. We already see links with Lautaro. Um, So for me... I, I think that situation could still continue to change, and who knows who might resign from a position, like Simone Inzaghi, who's set up to fail. Um, maybe Pedro Morata Mar- was getting bad information and feeding, getting fed lies from Steven Zong. Like, you don't know. I think the situation could end up being worse for Inter, and that could change the whole dynamic of the top four And for things to come for the future. So I don't know if you agree with anything I said, Joe, but uh, yeah,
2: I do. I do agree with, agree with quite a bit of it. I do think now looking at it where we stand today versus let's say a month and a half ago, Simone Inzaghi is really set up to fail, unfortunately. And I think depending on what other moves are made in this window, he is either going to have to pull off an absolute miracle or they will they'll. Kind of put this on him, which they shouldn't. Like you said, selling Lataro. I mean, he is absolutely their best player. It wasn't even like arguably. He was their best player last year. And to sell him off again and make the money off of him, you know, I guess that's quote-unquote good business. But at the same time, you weaken. But the it's a, they're not
0: even like making the money, Joe. Right. It's covering for so many losses and then on top of it, what are they really allowed to reinvest and who is affordable at that point? They're not getting a striker for $60 million. No. They still owe Manchester United a, quite a bit of money for the sale and then a percentage of it. Mm-hmm. So what you're looking at is like a small fraction. That's why it's Duvon Zapata for €30 million. Euros. Right. Like that's, that's not good enough. That's a big drop off. Yeah, especially compared to Lukaku, I
2: think you. I, I think you're pretty spot on about the top four being Juve, Atalanta, Milan, and Inter. Uh, you know, I think that and, and Napoli obviously challenging there as well. For me, though, you hinted on it. I think if if Inter have to go continue down this road of selling players, and they do take one of those three center backs, it's over. They're not going to make the top four at all. They're not even going to come close to it. Uh, that wow, was really yeah that that that, that back that. That lineup of that back three it was Scriniar, devry. and and I don't know why I'm missing the last one right now in my brain. Uh, Bastoni. Bastoni. Yep. Yeah. And and he had a great uh, Euro. That three was impenetrable. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. Yeah. You look at it. Not only did they score the goals at Inter, but they they were massive defensively. And I think you break up that three. Inter's got major, major problems. They're already going to lose Conte, you know, where they bought into his system. They're already yeah. going to lose Hakimi, who was, was fantastic for them.
0: He, ma- he masks a lot of things and makes it easier for the back three guys. Mm-hmm. He right? does.
2: He does. Absolutely. And But the back three guys, now if you take that and break it up, you know, Handanovic is suspect. And it's just his age, and, and this is no mm-hmm. knock on Samir Handanovic. He's been one of the best keepers in the world, in my opinion, over the last 10 years, and he doesn't get enough credit for it for me. Um, so, But he's also up in age now, and you're going to see a situation that if he doesn't have that defense in front of him, it's not going to get pretty. I really do think that if they do touch that back three, there's no chance Inter challenges for that uh, for the top four spot. I think wow. I think it's also sad, though, that they're breaking up this team the way they are. As as an Italian football fan, you had to be excited for the prospect of Inter challenging for that Champions League. Right. I mean, this was a team that was good enough to do that. And now they're picking it apart piece by piece. And we're not going to see that. Um, It was disappointing last year to see them get knocked out of all Italian, all European competitions, finishing fourth in their group in the Champions League. And now we're going to end up with with a second version of that. I think it's just terrible. Um, Going back to Juve. Absolutely. This is theirs. I mean, really, they're they're getting better. They you know, Demerol coming back from his ACL was not anything near the way Demerol was before the ACL injury. And I, and I think to loan him out was a good idea, especially now that they've made room and Romero was moving to Tottenham. To loan him to Atalanta, I think, is, was a great thing to do. It also frees up more time for Delict, Bonucci, and Chiellini. And Bonucci and Chiellini have proven that even at this late stage in their careers, they're still massive. So I, I think sure. I think they're set on, on the back line. I think, like you said, Chiesa Chies is going to get more confident. I want to see Kulusevski improve. Uh, I want to see the Parma Kulusevski come out uh not the, not the <laughs> Juve Klushevsky that we saw. Uh Dybala is going to get much more playing time. We know Max Allegri loves Dybala, we know Dybala loves Allegri. I think that there's going to be a lot of good that happens there and I think it's Juve's to take. Milan is interesting to me because for me Milan is is getting better with the right pieces and financially smartly doing it. Um they're not being held hostage by Donnarumma and Amino Raiola, like you said and so they went out and got pieces that would be equivalent that would help them continue on their path and i think they're in a good spot uh atalanta is going going to be atalanta whether they sell Duvan zapata or not they have luis muriel Mm. um we'll have to see what they do with ilicic but the team gasperini has that team flying so high that and it's another team you think about it the papu gomez rift what did they do they got rid of papu and they still managed it passina was able to step up and into that role so that is, that's going to be a great side to watch
0: and to see. If How big to- a loss do you think the Romero thing is? Cause you get Demi Rollin there if healthy sure it works, but if he gets injured, then they could potentially be looking at something where it could be dire at the back. I know mm. they can manage, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it there is that potential for them to, to slip up.
2: There is, there is. And that is, that is going to be one of the key things. Although you, you look at Atalanta <clears throat> traditionally over the past few years, not really, incredibly defensively, right? Everything they've done is yeah. all on the front foot. Uh, they play defense by offense, so it is it is a loss. It is definitely a loss, but at the same time, Atalanta doing their business thing. This is their model. Um, yeah. you know they're there and they got they got what they want. They've got Champions League money. They got money for Romero. They get Demerol in on a loan, who's definitely a serviceable substitute. And and as provided he stays healthy, I think they do great. Um, I'm also interested. I got to tell you, just just from a personal standpoint how the Americans integrate at Venezia coming up this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with them adding Tanner Tessman and Gianluca Busio from MLS, uh, you know, two young, talented players. I- I'm interested to see what Venezia looks like and if if they challenge. Um, I You know, I hate to see the one-and-dones, especially for teams that have fought so hard to get there. For me, uh, you know, although Parma wasn't one-and-done, to really make that run through the... Uh, through the leagues to get back to the idea uh it was unfortunate that they that w- they went back down this year but I think Venezia is that next one for me that I'm interested to see uh how they do and and I'm also interested to see what Fiorentina looks like I think mm. that that one's a big one because you know Fiorentina has been one of those long-standing clubs they've escaped relegation again this year and I just don't know if they have it in them again to to avoid relegation one more time um, they
0: just lost the, one of their best center backs and Milinkovic is going to be headed off to West Ham for just 15 million euros after they were demanding 40 million euros last year. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, that's just, it's unacceptable. Right. Mm-hmm. And who they're thinking of is like Nastasic. I think he's like 35 or whatever he yeah. is. Like he's, he's way over the hill at this point. So they're downgrading already. Um, does Italiano even handle that? And we can't even forget about AFCON by the way. I just, just remembered off the top of my head for Napoli, uh, just to circle back real quick, like you lose Oshman and Koulibaly in the month of January. That's a big loss for for that month, so I just want to mention that. But yeah, I mean, Fiorentina, I don't know, man. That's a, you. Uh, that's your call there. I, does Dusan Vlahovic even rekindle the 21 goals? I mean, I think he's talented enough to do it. I think Italiano's a clear upgrade at manager over Beppe Iacchini. Mm-hmm. I just... It's I just it's so, just something I, about them. I don't trust yeah, them.
2: I don't know that there's enough talent around Vlajovic to to get him there. Do you know what I mean? I, I just mm-hmm. I don't think the team is talented enough otherwise. And like you said, when you're selling off, you know Milinkovic and 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 doing things like that, it doesn't bode well. So I I I don't see Fiorentina actually staying up this year. I see them actually going going down. Really? Yeah, I do. I, I yeah. It's and it's it's gonna suck, but. Um, I, I just think at this point, that's, it needs to happen. You know what I mean? You need to burn it to the ground to rebuild it from the ashes. And I think right now, they've just been sputtering the past few years. Y- y- trying little things. You know, they bring in like Ribery, guys like that. But again, yeah. you know, over the hill guy, I, 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 I don't see it. I, I don't see them sticking around the city. Ah, uh, The city A is way too competitive at this point, top to bottom, for a floundering Fiorentina to be able to stay there. That's... That's just my opinion. I think, I think the Saudi top to bottom is too good, and and I'll and I'll even argue that right now the Saudi top to bottom is probably the best league in the world, given given the amount of teams and the amount of talent and the, and the levels that they have. I, I think they're they're better than any other league in the world, top to bottom. You know, at the top you wonder about obviously PSG. We talk about Real Madrid. We talk about you know Man City. We talk about Bayern Munich. You know, they're 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 top heavy leagues, but I think top to bottom, 20 teams, you play 20 against tw- number 20 against number 20 in any of the other leagues, I think Italy's probably the best league in the world um, for something like that, so, uh, but yeah, I think Juve wins it, uh, I, I think, I think Fiorentina get relegated, and, and the rest of it is really just a crapshoot, because everything's so close, so, but... Um, gentlemen, I'm going to cut it off uh, at this point. I know we've got some matches of the week coming up. Uh, what I'm going to tell you is just to check out your local listings. MLS is halfway through their season, and the the leagues. I believe it is Germany, Spain, um, Germany, and Spain will kick off next week, and I believe England as well. Italy is the week after, and uh, and this week obviously is League One. So, uh, Martino, uh, definitely thank you for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, man. Um and Roberto, I don't have anything else, so we'll hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So for episode three thirty three of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Martino Puccio for joining us on the show. Next week we'll look at week one in many of the leagues in Europe. We'll also take a look at the transfer window again and see if that messy deal does finally get finished and over the finish line. So for episode three thirty three of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm
1: Roberto Rojas.
2: Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.